tonight. Now we do again welcome you in the Lord's name. We thank you for coming and we pray the Lord will bless us as we have fellowship together. We thank the Lord for all who are online this evening and we pray that the Lord will meet with them as well. We don't take them for granted. Do you remember a few announcements then? Wednesday night, the children's meeting at 7 o'clock. The bus again will leave at 6.30. And then the evening's Bible study and prayer meeting will be at 8 p.m. And in the will of God, I'll be along to um, look after that meeting and bring God's word on the signs of the times. We're now in sign number eight, using the word unholy. Do you remember, remember then on Friday night, the young people's meeting at 8 p.m.? And we look forward to inviting the young people to come and join with us. Now, announced this morning, we're giving out these lovely calendars, along with this little booklet, Your Place in God's Plan, to all the homes in Carrie Duff have already started. And um, on Saturday, weather permitting, of course, if any of you are free, uh, we need maybe four or six people, eight people or whatever, um, 10.45 approximately to 1 p.m. on Saturday, uh, and we'll go around the doors and give out some more of these uh, booklets and calendars. So if any of you are free on Saturday, then please come and join with us. Next Lord's Day, just the usual services, 10.30, Sunday school, and then morning and evening worship, 11.30 and 7, preceded by the times of prayer. In the will of God, I'd be the preacher. The only addition is that next Sunday evening, we're going to have a special communion service, and we invite all who know and love the Lord to come and join with us around the Lord's table. Remember, it's the Lord's table for the Lord's people. And we would encourage you to remember that, please. Uh, also, I want to introduce you to this book, um, Through the Year, with Alan Kearns. These are um, synopsis of his sermons, and you're getting 365 of them here. And we're thankful to the Reverend Stanley Barnes and uh, Victor Maxwell for transcribing this. Uh, they're priced £15, and we have one left so if anybody would like to buy it, uh, then uh, please see our brother William or see myself. Uh, so we, we recommend that to you. And as far as I know, the proceeds go to a very worthy cause, the Deborah House Project uh, over in um, the uh, land of, um, I think it's Poland, is it? Romania, right. I knew it was one of those places. Thank you. Um, see, my geography isn't that great. Uh, but I do remember uh, Tim Aswara, and I do get a nice Christmas card from uh, the folks there every year. Uh, so we're thankful to the Lord uh, for that. Now, these are all the announcements. They are indeed subject to the mind and will of God. Again, we want to congratulate Stephen on passing his driving test. And again, I just want to say thank you for your gifts, even for the uh, time as we have thought about um, uh, celebrating a big birthday. And it was a very, very welcome gift. And uh, Rosie and I look forward to going down to the Killy Hevelin in the new year. So we just want to say thank you for that in the Lord's precious name. Now, my text tonight is found in Leviticus chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. And my theme tonight I've entitled, God's Assessment of an Answer to Pestilences Old and New. About 24 months ago, COVID-19 started hitting the headlines. This was a new virus. SARS-2 
we discovered erupted in Wuhan province in China. We heard reports in the news that people started falling ill. Many were being hospitalized. And multiple deaths occurred as a result. 24 months ago, I thought that was in China. I was told it was in China. And then sadly and very quickly, COVID-19, as we came to call it, spread rapidly all over the world. Today, the World Health Organization reports globally, and I report their figures, 263,563,622 confirmed cases including 5,232,562 deaths. They also report a total of 7,864,123,038 vaccine doses that have been administered. In the United Kingdom, 10 million 329,078 confirmed cases to the 3rd of December. With 145,281 deaths reported. They equally report, as of the 3rd of December 2021, a total of 115 million 179,248 vaccine doses that have been administered. Now, listening to those figures, I have no doubt that you will agree with me that we are going through a very tough time in our nation's history. You'll agree with me that Families, an individual in the context of those families, have been very hard hit with this COVID-19 virus. And it appears to date, almost 24 months on, that there's no let-up. It appears that we're not getting rid of COVID-19 or SARS-2 anytime soon. And of course, we listen to the reports of the new Omicron variant that's has emerged. We are living in tough times. And I'm going to tell you something, that there's equally tougher times ahead. Now the question for us tonight, and this was the question in my mind, and I want you to listen very carefully, what does the Bible say about plagues and diseases and variants? You see, for all of these months, 21 and more, we've been listening to what the various scientists have been saying. And our heads are no doubt spinning as a result of that information. We want to hear what the scriptures has to say about diseases, pestilence and plagues. As I've said, for months we've been listening to the world. Now let's hear what the word of God has to say. You see, the word disease is mentioned 34 times in the Bible. The first reference is very important. 
Exodus 15, verse 26. We'll turn to it in a little moment. It's the law first mentioned. It makes for very interesting reading. The last reference in the word diseases is Acts 28, verse 9. So when this was done, others also which had diseases in the island came and were healed. If we add the word to disease, pestilences, we discover there's 48 references to the word pestilences in our authorized version. The first is Exodus 5, verse 3, and the last is Luke 21, verse 11, a sign of the last days, an increase in pestilences. Now, if I add the word disease, the word pestilence, and, and add a third word, we'll call it plague, we discover there's 107 references to the word plague in the Bible. Here's the first one, Genesis 12 and 7. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues. Notice that. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues. We could also quote from Exodus chapter 9 and verse 14 about all my plagues. In the book of Revelation, there's 11 references to the word plagues. Revelation 9.20, Revelation 11.6, 11.15, Revelation 15.16, Revelation 15 and 8, Revelation 16 and 9, Revelation 16.21, Revelation 18 and 4, Revelation 18 and 8, and Revelation 21 verse 9, the last reference. Now, Let's do some sums. Add them up. 107 references to plagues, 48 references to pestilences, 34 references to the word disease. That's 189 by my calculation. So what I'm saying tonight is the Bible has a lot to say about diseases, a lot to say about pestilences, a lot to say about plagues. And what I thought about, and thought about for many months now, is God's assessment of them. I want to know who sent the diseases, the pestilence and the plagues, and I want to know why. And I want to discover God's answer on how to deal with these diseases, pestilence and plagues. And we want in the will of God, if possible, to find a cure so that individuals can be told, you can live plague and disease and pestilence free. You see, tonight, we're not setting aside the Word of God. We're not setting aside the Scriptures of truth. We're bringing God's Word and God's law into the very center of our virus-stricken situation. So what I'm going to do tonight is this. I'm going to use the book, the Word of God, to combat the history of diseases and plagues and pestilence and even to combat this COVID pandemic that's still 24 months on or 21 months on still in the world. See, tonight let's discover something. The Bible's up to date. The Bible is as fresh and as up to date as the morning news. And we discover that God has his finger in the very pulse of the nation that is an absolute sovereign control. Now look at our text. Leviticus 13 and 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man shall have in the skin of his flesh a rising, a scab, or bright spot, and it be in the skin of his flesh like the plague of leprosy, 
Then he shall be brought unto Aaron the priest, or unto one of his sons the priest. And the priest shall look on the plague in the skin of his flesh. And when the hair in the plague is turned white, and the plague in sight be deeper than the skin of his flesh, it is a plague of leprosy. And the priest shall look on him and pronounce him unclean. Now in relation to this sermon tonight, God's assessment of an answer to pestilence, old and new, I want to say four things. First of all, I want you to think of this. The real character of the plague. If you look with me at verse 3, it says, it is a plague of leprosy. Here's one of the 170 references to the word plagues in the Bible. Here's the identification of one of these plagues. It is a plague of leprosy. You see, the plague of leprosy 3,500 years ago was real. It's not make-believe. It's not linked to a conspiracy theory. There's no one in that day or generation was saying to the priest, neither to Aaron or one of his sons, this plague is not real. Because if the priest saw that the plague has turned white and the plague has sight be deeper than the plague of his flesh, it is a plague of leprosy. 3,500 years ago, there was such a thing as the plague of leprosy. And in fact, there's 17 references in the Bible to the word plague of leprosy. Many other plagues, here's just one of them. Time won't permit to mention them. There's 16 of those references between Leviticus 13 and Leviticus 14. If there's a white spot and it's spreading and the hair's turned white and the um, skin is darker than the rest, then it's a plague of leprosy. So here's the point, the real character of the plague. The plague is real. And let me tell you something else. This plague of leprosy was easily transmittable from one person to another 3,500 years ago. I'll tell you something more. This plague of leprosy that was real and easily transmittable from one person to another 3,000 years ago could result in the death of individuals. Now let me bring it up to date. You see, I believe tonight, you could argue against me, you're entitled to do that, that this COVID virus is a real virus. It too is easily transmittable from person to person. And it too can and has resulted in premature death of loved ones from a human point of view. Remember Hebrews 9 and 27 tells us it's appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment. I'm well aware that God has set the bounds of our habitation. I'm equally well aware that there's loads of information and misinformation on our national television, BBC, Sky, the internet. And let's be clear, there's no doubt that people have died as a result of contracting COVID-19. How many? I don't know. I confess to you, I feel the figures are greatly distorted. 
I've asked why are COVID deaths counted in the way that they are? If a person dies in a 28-day period of a positive COVID test, then they're pronounced as a COVID death. But let's say the individual had cancer. He's also contracted COVID virus. And that person dies. He's counted as a positive death due to COVID. COVID is blamed. Heart attacks the same. If he's tested positive for COVID in a 28-day period, despite the heart attack, it's a, it's a COVID death. And surely we'd have to say to the government, you can do a lot better and you can be simpler because you could divide it up and say, well, here's the numbers for COVID-related deaths, where COVID has been a contributing factor, not the actual cause, a contributing cause. But here's the actual COVID death numbers with no contributing factors. I think we would find the figures are very low if we examined the data. Let me tell you something else. The infectious nature of the plague of leprosy is a faint picture of the infectious nature of sin. If I ask tonight this question, which is the most infectious disease of all time affecting mankind? The answer is simple. Sin. Three letters. Romans 5 and 12. Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world. And death passed upon all men. For that all have sinned. When did we sin? We sinned in Adam. We inherited the guilt of his first transgression. We inherit additional guilt for every other transgression of thought and word and deed. We also inherit a polluted heart, a heart that loves sin. That's why Jeremiah said in 17 and verse 9, the heart is deceitful and above all things desperately wicked. Who can know it? The psalmist said, Psalm 51 and 5, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. What is sin? Sin's a transgression of the law, 1 John 3 and 4. James 4 and 17 says, To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So not doing good is sin. 1 John 5 and 17 says, All unrighteousness is sin. Paul says in Romans 14 and 23, Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So unbelief is a sin. Not believing in God, not loving God, though your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that is sin. And not only when did all sin in Adam and what it is, but where is it seen? Well, remember what the Lord Jesus said if you look at Mark chapter 7, and we read there in verse 21, the Lord Jesus made a very, very interesting statement. He said this, Mark 7, verse 21, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed what? Evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. And are we not seeing the total depravity of the human heart and its continuing impact in individual lives in the life of our nation? Have we not witnessed in the 21st century sin being legislated for? Is it not a fact that we live in a very corrupt society and world? So I ask tonight, 
Not what you think of COVID-19 as a virus. Is it real? Is it transmittable? Could it result in death? And the answer is yes. But even that, like the plague of leprosy, is a faint picture of the most infectious disease of all, the disease called sin. So what do you think of sin tonight? How do you view sin? Young people, do you know that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 33 that evil communications corrupt good manners? You see, here's the way it spreads, the way it spoils, the way it scars. And if it's left untreated, like any disease, it's going to result in death. Because the scripture says the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. Ezekiel said the soul that sinneth, it shall die. So as you think of the plague of leprosy, think of the real character of the plague of leprosy. Notice something else. The root cause of the plague of leprosy. The context here is about the priest examining an individual who is suspect of the plague of leprosy or who actually has the plague of leprosy. And he wants to find out when did the plague of leprosy arise. So I invite you to turn with me to another scripture now tonight. And that scripture is Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26. Here's a verse you should underline in your Bible. I believe it will be very helpful. Exodus 15 verse 26. And said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now these words were addressed to the children of Israel. They had just come out of Egypt. They're now a redeemed people, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. They've crossed the Red Sea. They're in the wilderness of Marah. And they faced their first big trial. The waters were bitter. And God's answer was, remember, to uh, hew down a tree and cast it into the waters. And the waters were made sweet and whole. And of course, that cutting down of the tree is a wonderful picture of Christ crucified and his bloodshedding and his precious atoning work. And immediately after that, God said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. The context here was, when you face setbacks and troubles, and hard times have come, remember this, that obedience towards me results in blessing, God says. But if you disobey me, then that will breed and bring about blasting from myself. The Lord is telling us here 
all that happened in Egypt. You've got to think of the ten plagues. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. If you turn over there to Deuteronomy chapter 7, and look with me at verse 12, these words were repeated. This is now 40 years later. Remember, Deuteronomy is the second reading of the law. Deuteronomy 7 and in the verse 12. And we read here, Wherefore, it shall come to pass, if ye hearken to these judgments, and keep and do them, that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant, and the mercies which he swear unto thy fathers. And he will love thee, and bless thee, and multiply thee. He will also bless the fruit of thy womb, and the fruit of thy land, thy corn, and thy wine, and thine oil, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep in the land, which he swear unto thy fathers to give thee. Verse 14, Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barn among you, or among your cattle. Verse 15, And the Lord will take away from thee all sicknesses, and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. Now God is dealing here not with the individual. He is dealing with Israel as a nation state. And of course, this is how the Lord works. If you obey me and walk in my ways and follow my laws, then that obedience will result in blessing. However, if you disobey me, it'll bring blasting into your life and into the life of the country. You've got to think of what he says here in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 15. And the Lord will take away from thee all sicknesses and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt. Now, what does that mean, the evil diseases of Egypt? It's not that there's something to do with morality, but a reference to something that's bad and terrible. It's not a reference to its character as far as morality is concerned. The Bible it talks about evil figs, meaning that they're bitter, meaning that they're sour and can't be eaten, meaning that they're unripe. The Bible even talks about the evil arrows of famine. Nothing to do with their moral character. It's about being bad and terrible upon the reception of them. Turn over there to the book of Amos. You can find Amos, Amos chapter 3, and in the verse uh, 6, it says this, Shall a trumpet be blown in the city, and the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil in a city, and the Lord hath not done it? Now, that's a powerful text. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the Baptist pastor in Metropolitan Tabernacle in the 18th century in London, used this as a proof text dealing with the cholera epidemic that was widespread in London and beyond. See, God is dealing here with apostate Israel. They've turned away from him. They've forsaken him. They've forgotten him. And there's evil in the city. And he's asking this, this question, shall there be evil in a city? 
and the Lord hath not done it. That means something bad is happening. Something terrible is taking place. Something rotten has come. Whether it's an enemy or whether it's a disease or a pestilence or a plague. In other words, God's at the back of it. God has foreordained it. God's hand is on it. God is at work. God is at work in judging the city and judging the nations. It's a sign of his displeasure. And let's be clear tonight, God does judge the nations of this world. And God does judge the nations of this world according to their privileges and according to their light and the truth that they have been given. Did the Lord Jesus not say in Matthew chapter 10 and 15 that it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for the cities of Capernaum and the cities of Chorazin and other cities in his day and generation? Why? Because these other cities had light and they had privileges that Sodom and Gomorrah didn't have. These cities had the way of life and the way of death set before them. And yet because of the darkness and depravity of their heart, they chose the darkness because men love darkness rather than light. And if we had time tonight, which we don't have, we could set before you Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 to 14. It sets forth all the blessings for those who obey the Lord. From chapter 28, verse 15, right through to the end, it sets forth the curses for disobedience. There's 13 curses, highlighting 13 different afflictions, 13 different kinds of trouble that's going to come. And according to Deuteronomy 28, 60 and 61, one of the kinds of troubles that was going to come was all the diseases of Egypt, which thou art afraid of. And they're going to cleave to you like the plague of leprosy, like this COVID plague, because this COVID plagues are a reminder and a harbinger of worse to come. Remember the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 24 and verse 7, in the last days, there'd be an explosion of what? Of pestilences. It's all about the beginning of sorrows. We could talk about a medical prophecy that's coming on the world. There's going to be an explosion of pestilences. See, here in the Bible, this is happening now. We don't have to be unduly alarmed. But we need to be aware of what's happening before Christ returns. It's a sign of God's displeasure and judgment. It's a sign that God is dealing with the nations. It hasn't come by accident. It hasn't come by chance. It hasn't come as a surprise. Because the Lord is at the back of it. Not only the real character of the plague and the root cause of the plague, but I want us to think about the requirement counseled of the plague of leprosy. Now I've read to you Leviticus 13 verses 1 to 17. And I want you to realize just how up to date the Bible actually is. It's an old book. We're aware of that. These words that we're reading are 3,500 years old. But they're as fresh as the morning news. What is interesting here is that in Leviticus 13, Leviticus 14, God sets forth basic laws of hygiene for the nation of Israel to practice when the plague of leprosy is suspected or the plague of leprosy is detected among the people. Remember, as we've said, this is an infectious disease that's transmittable that could result in death. 
And the plague of leprosy is only one of the plagues in the Bible. A running issue in one's flesh was another. Uh, A dead body that's diseased, well, that was another source of the plague. They all had the potential to render the individual unclean, to affect the individual person. It's interesting here that due to the knowledge of the infectious nature of this disease, the priests then could single out who the suspect was, and the priest could identify the actual person who was infected. This was not a simple process, not a single process, but it was a sound process. There was a testing. There was a tracing of the individual. And also, there's an isolation here. And it's all here. If we were to think tonight, and we haven't time, and opening up the scriptures, Exodus 30, verses 18 to 21, you've got the encouragement of washing of hands and clothes. In Leviticus 13, verses 4 and 5, you've got instruction about keeping your distance. If you read Leviticus 13 and verse 46, and perhaps we should turn to that portion, Leviticus 13 and verse 46, listen to these words. Leviticus 13 and 46. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled, he is unclean, he shall dwell alone without the camp, shall his habitation be. That has to do with quarantine. That has to do with isolation. Listen to these words in the book of Numbers, in Numbers chapter 5. We read, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they put out of the camp every leper, and every one that hath an issue, and every... And whosoever is defiled by the dead, both male and female, shall ye put out without the camp, shall ye put them that they defile not their camps in the midst whereof I dwell. And the children of Israel did so and put them out without the camp. As the Lord spake unto Moses, so did the children of Israel. Now, now do you see this here? Here's this book of wisdom. And the suspected person, he was isolated for seven days and then inspected again by the priest. And if the priest felt he needed another seven days of quarantine, then he had that. Someone has rightly said, this plague of leprosy, the camp of Israel a duty of care to other people, to their families, to their neighbors. And those that were leprous had to leave their home and go outside the camp, male and female. And I want to add this, this was a permanent quarantine during the time of the plague of leprosy. And they lived the life of a leper. And it was all for the good and well-being, not only of themselves, but the well-being of others in the context of family and friends. They had a duty of care so that they didn't expose others to this 
plague. And if there's a confirmed case, there was no hiding, there was no cover up. The Lord's command was first, and, and the Lord's command was followed, and, and other individuals were thought of, and yourself with the plague of leprosy, you came last. And there's a practical lesson here not to put self first. What were they doing? They were practicing a life of self sacrifice. They were suffering hardship and tears and dread. It was love to God and love to their neighbor as themselves. And let me say this these protocols had to be followed. 3,500 years ago, the Lord laid the protocol for dealing with the infectious disease of the plague of leprosy. Social distancing is nothing new for those that have the plague of leprosy. It was a biblical idea. In modern times, it's two meters. But in biblical times, it was a leper was not allowed to come in six feet of another individual. If he had the plague of leprosy and that individual didn't. The individual who had leprosy not only had to socially distance, but he had to, to cover his face. Leviticus 13 and verse five, 45. Listen to these words. Just bear with me for a few minutes. Leviticus chapter 13 and verse 45. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent and his head bare. And he shall put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry, unclean and unclean. And not only with the social distancing and the covering of the face, when he was out and about, he had to cry unclean. There was also quarantine. He had to dwell alone without the camp. Shall his habitation be? He had to shave his head and shave his beard. And he could not come, as I've said, within six feet of his own family. He had to live apart in a leper colony. And it was all about containing this infectious disease. The strange thing is today that so many mock the Bible. And yet God's word is so up to date. And you can laugh at God's practices. But this was not only for the plague of leprosy. This was also for the running sore. Uh, this was also for the infectious nature of a dead body that you had touched or come into contact with. And it was to be taken seriously. And if I sum it up, we put it this way. It's testing and tracing and isolating. And that's very important, even with the COVID-19 plague. So we understand keeping the distance, period of quarantine, the covering of the face. If you are infected. One final thing, and our time is gone. The recoverable cure from the plague of leprosy. In chapter 14, we'll ask the question, how does an individual recover from leprosy? How can he or she be pronounced clean and allowed back in among the people of God? Well, the Lord speaks. The Lord addresses that question to Moses. He gives instruction on the recovery of a leprous man and a leprous woman. He needs the priest to inspect them. He needs then the priest, if the priest said he's clean, to offer two sacrifices, two birds. One's killed and one's set free. And the one that's killed, that blood of that bird is sprinkled seven times in that individual. He washes his clothes, he shaves off his beard, shaves off his hair, he comes into the camp, he tarries uh, outside his tent a further seven days. And then seven days later, the priest re-examines him. And then there's another exercise of washing the clothes and shaving the hair. And eight days after he's been pronounced clean, 
There's the offering of two he- two lambs and one ewe lamb before the Lord. And the blood of that lamb was put in his right ear and put in his right thumb and his right uh, toe off his right foot. Because remember, leprosy is a picture of sin in the Bible. Sin is serious. Sin is infectious. And sin must be dealt with and recognized. It must be repudiated. It must be hated. It must be repented of. It has to be sorry enough to quit. And this is only a physical health check. How much more a spiritual health check? You come by the way of the priest. And that priest is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You come in the ground of his sacrifice and blood shedding and present yourself in the ground of that blood before the Lord. And you who are crying unclean, you can be clean again through the power of the blood. Touching the ear, speaking of hearing God. Touching the thumb that you're giving yourself to the service of God. Touching your foot, that you're going to walk in the the ways of God. You see, how accurate is the Bible? If we could follow its teaching, here's the recoverable cure for the plague of leprosy. Let me say this in closing tonight. I just want to say this in relation to COVID-19. I'm realizing this has gone out in the air. It's not a sin to get vaccinated. It's an individual choice. It's a matter of conscience. I don't know what remedies they had three and a half thousand years ago. They probably had no vaccines, but they lived and died in the hands of the Lord. But it's not a sin to get vaccinated. It's not a sin not to get vaccinated. Again, it's to do with individual choice. And I believe tonight in individual conscience. And I believe tonight the Lord is the Lord of the conscience. And we're accountable to him and to him alone. You see, I don't believe, as some allege, that the state has the right to command mandatory vaccines. The government's authority is not absolute. And the state has no right to command mandatory vaccines or vaccine passports so that a person could enter into the house of God. The state has no jurisdiction in the life and witness of Christ's church. We have to say tonight the United Kingdom government's not seeking to honor God or to know God or to glorify him. Are they going to introduce mandatory abortions? Are they going to introduce mandatory euthanasia? Are they going to introduce mandatory experimental drugs? See, let me say this in closing. and Your time is gone. I haven't even time to scratch the surface here. It's theologically impossible. Because it's a denial of the truth that the gospel is for all people. Vaccinated and unvaccinated. It's morally wrong because mandatory vaccines are actually prohibited by the public health agency in the United Kingdom. It's socially unacceptable because it will create a two-tier society. That's what's happening in New Zealand. That's what's going to happen in Austria. That's what will happen in Germany and in France 
if they bring them in. There's going to be people who are excluded from certain shops and public life in certain places, all because they haven't got a vaccine passport. And also, I have to say this, Scripture limits the authority of government. It's an unnecessary interference because people should be free to live and work and worship according to the dictates of their conscience. And I've been asked where I stand in this, and I, I'm putting it out there. The state commands mandatory vaccines. This church and the Free Presbyterian Church should say no to them because we believe in individual conscience. I'm going to leave it there tonight. Our time is gone. I hope not to return to this subject. I definitely don't want to. So I, I leave that thought with you and pray that the Lord will help us this evening. Let's just by we'll close in prayer for our time is gone. Thank you, Lawrence. Lord, take these few stumbling, stammering words. This is really a bigger subject than one night can deal with. And we've left so many things unsaid that ought to have been said. But we pray that you'll take these few stumbling, stammering words. And we'll see something of your assessment of diseases and pestilence and plagues in the Bible. And we'll see your answer to them. And we'll see the wisdom, Lord, even of having to test and trace and isolate if we're found to have a disease in our body. Lord, give us grace and wisdom. We pray now you'll part us in your fear and in your favor. Take us each to our homes in safety. We pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of thyself and the communion of the Holy Spirit will be upon us both now and evermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you this evening.